What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. are back for another edition of the awesomeo.com MA DFS strategy shows. We're here to get you ready for Saturday's UFC Vegas number 21. Finally, Leon Edwards back in the octagon. Of course, we all know he's supposed to take on Hamza Chimaev. That's not the case. Blah Muhammad, he takes his opportunity here. So we're going to break it down for you. Of course, we're going to break down all the fights here that are going to take place on Saturday night. 
inside the UFC Apex. Of course, this show is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. You got to head over to monkeyknifefight.com. Choose which game you want to play, your contest type. It's all about those player props. I have been playing over there, put some put some NBA player props in a little bit earlier, so uh, hopefully those can come in tonight. And, of course, they do have a great offer. When you use that promo code AWESOMO, you'll get an instant first match deposit up to $50. So sign up today. I was definitely playing some of those props on Saturday as uh, it was, uh, I smashed that prop bet on uh, the under significant strikes on Amanda Nunez uh, and the under on Megan Ayers. So that one did come in for me. So uh, you got to check out our sponsor there, Monkey Knife Fight. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, good to be talking to you here on a Thursday night. Uh, I guess overall, as you know, you've been breaking down the film for this one. What's kind of your uh, your your overall thoughts in terms of uh, this fight card? Well, um, you know, this fight card compared to last week, and it's tough to compare, but it's you know, it's a it's a decent fight card. I think it's more like the the type of apex typical card that you know we're we're used to. But um, last week was a treat. I mean, that was an amazing card. And honestly, like it felt like there was a point there's like too many fights. I'm like, man, this is a long night going. We got fights left and right, great performances, um, you know, and uh, we finally have Edwards returning here. I'm really looking forward to seeing his return to the cage. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, that that's one of those fights. It's, it's a really interesting fight. I, I talked about it on my podcast yesterday where for Bilal Muhammad, I, I think that this is a great opportunity for him to step in here and take this fight. Uh, you know, I mean, yes, obviously there the, the risk of potentially, you know, losing this fight. But to me, this is a win-win combination here uh, for Bilal Muhammad. Of course, you look at the salaries for this one. Leon Edwards, 9000 over on DK. Bilal Muhammad, 7200 FanDuel, $22 for Leon, $17 for Bilal Muhammad. I guess let's just kind of start off here. What is the path to victory for Bilal Muhammad for those people who are maybe looking, especially on the DraftKings side of things, looking potentially at a pump play in Bilal Muhammad? Yeah, I think Bilal Muhammad's a great pump play at 7,200. I think that his game plan should be in should be to get into uh, Edwards' face immediately, not allow him to get comfortable in the fight. Um, you know, you kind of, when you're getting back into the cage after having a long absence, you want to get comfortable in there. You maybe want to take a, a round or two to start really getting your rhythm. And if you're Bilal Muhammad, you want to really disrupt that rhythm from, from the get-go and just get on there and keep your momentum going that you've had great momentum in the UFC. Uh, as of late, you've been the more active guy. Um, if he implements that pressure heavy style with volume striking, he could have some success. I mean, I do view him as the B side of the fight. Honestly, I still think that Edwards is just a little bit better everywhere. I think that Edwards, um, you know, is, is a very crisp striker, has really good wrestling that is somewhat underrated. Um, I think that he's been preparing for a very tough task in Hamza Shemaev. So it's not like he's coming off the couch and, and this is like a last minute opportunity. The guy's been preparing for a return to the cage for quite some time. Um, but Bilal Muhammad, man, <laughs> You talk about as of recently, he's been doing an ama- he's been amazing in there. So uh, you know, if he can go in there and continue that momentum and not allow Edwards to get off to a a fast start, I think that uh, he could be successful with the slight uptick in volume. Any concern about Leon Edwards in the layoff? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say because every fighter's different, right? Like um, you know, Dominic Cruz again looked good, and uh, you have some fighters that you know need that constant activity to have success in the UFC. Um, you know, Edwards, it's been a while. It's been like a year and a half, right? It's, it's pretty crazy when you think about it, but 
but I do think that the skill set is there. Um, I don't expect him to absolutely dominate Bilal Muhammad because Muhammad's very good. Um, if you look at the statistics, Bilal Muhammad throws about 4.8 strikes per minute, but does absorb 4.03. So his defense is somewhat, um, he gets hit a lot because he comes forward so much and he's, he's okay with, you know, getting touched up. Um, but I think against like a sniper, like, uh, Edwards, who doesn't really get hit that, that often, I think he could find some, uh, some trouble and especially a guy that can match the wrestling. So we'll have to see how the fight plays out, but I do view Edwards as the ace out of the fight. But really, it's not like a fight that I'm prioritizing, right? Like, you know, it's the main event, of course. You want to have some exposure there. But I don't really feel like, man, I need to have this fight. Um, obviously, Bilal Muhammad goes out there and gets it done at 7,200. He's probably optimal because of his price point. Yeah, I was thinking about that kind of a little bit earlier uh, as I was preparing for the show. I'm like, I just don't know if you if it's one of those weeks where you have to have the main event. I mean, obviously, you want to have some shares in the main event. Uh, Hunter asked about, is this a stackable fight? You know, I, I feel like stack in MMA DFS is not exactly our favorite word to say, but uh, to me, I, I don't think it's stackable. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really view it as a stackable fight, um, especially with the new scoring system. I feel like you know, maybe stacks are going to be, you know, less frequent. Um, but I will have exposure. Um, this is a fight that you should, you know, not ignore by any means because Edwards is so talented. Overall, he has a 50% finish rate. Uh, Bilal Muhammad has a 28% finish rate. So that's pretty underwhelming in, in regards to the rest of the card. Um, if it goes five, you're probably still looking at a, at a lower point total. But Edwards at 9,000. You know, it's not like he's 9,400 or something like that. 9,000, he can make it work in five. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, to me, I'll have way, I'll have more shares of Leon Edwards in this position, but I do have a, a little small concern about uh, in terms of paying off that price at 9000 Now, of course, if you ever do miss any of our shows here on YouTube, you can catch them as a part of the Awesomeo Podcast Network. Just go to awesomeo.com slash podcast to find the links for the podcast that you're looking for. And uh, be sure to leave a five-star rating and, of course, leave us a review as well. And there's a little perk we got going on if you do leave that five-star rating review as you'll be eligible to win a free week of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. All you got to do is leave your Twitter handle or email address, one winner will be awarded every Friday, and reviews will be eligible up to one year. So check out over at the Oslo Podcast Network. I was actually driving out to a work meeting today, and I was listening to the uh, NBA podcast from this morning. I always like to check out, uh, you know, as I, I kind of think about who I want to put in my NBA DFS lineup. So be sure to check out uh, our show over at the Oslo podcast network as i mentioned be sure to leave a five-star rating and review let's move on to the co-main event which is one of two fights i truly believe in terms of gpp that you got to hit on and of course that is misha Serkinov versus ryan span we'll talk about the other fight later on the show and maybe people might be a little surprised uh the place of that fight of why of me saying I believe it is a must roster fight. So circuit off eighty three hundred, Ryan Span seventy nine hundred, circuit off seventeen dollars, and span fifteen dollars. You know, Misha, it wasn't that long ago, Misha Circonoff, you you know, I, I think I kind of wrote him off. You know, he went through that spell, you know, and of course we've seen with Jan Blahovich, you can't write off guys at, at the two hundred and five pound division, but this is one of those ones where you know, I, I just feel like you got it in the, the in a GPP contest. You're gonna have to win in this. Uh, I think on the betting side, I would straight up just look at playing the under one and a half rounds. 
Yeah, I absolutely love this fight for GPPs. I will hammer my exposure to this fight. Um, if we look at Misha Serkinov, average time in the in the octagon, four minutes and nine seconds compared to Ryan Spann, six minutes and five seconds. So both these guys like to get it done quickly. Um, Misha Serkinov has a finish rate of 87%, whereas Ryan Spann has a finish rate of 83%. So when these guys win, usually it's quickly and you know inside the distance. So I will be targeting this fight. I was actually pretty surprised to see Misha Serkinov as the uh, as the favorite here because just like you, I've written him off in the past, and um, you know I think that he had a great performance against Jimmy Crew, but like we've seen moments where Serkinov can kind of just you know get uh, you know he he can be broken in the octagon when when he's pressured. Um, you know he's he's good when he's starting to implement his takedowns and his strong ground game, like, you know, how he did in the Jimmy crew performance. Like that's exactly what he needs to do. Go out there, do what, do what he's strongest at and uh, not try to stand with people and potentially get knocked out. Now he's facing a guy in Ryan span who has a uh, two inch reach advantage and a two inch height advantage. You know, th- that shouldn't really mean too much, but I do view Ryan span as a very talented fighter. And uh, you can look at his last fight against uh, Johnny Walker and maybe have an asterisk next to that because of some potential shots to the back of the head. But we knew that fight was a GPP fight based on those guys. And he had Johnny Walker rocked several times throughout that. Um, you know, I, I favor Ryan Spann here at 7,900. He's an underdog that I really, really like. I will be targeting both sides and hammering my exposure to both of them because uh, Serkinov's ground game and what he's been showing lately of how he gets people down and looks towards a submission victory. It's excellent. Excellent Peruvian necktie. Very underrated submission. A lot of people don't target from front headlock position. Uh, Ryan Spann, though, should have the boxing advantage and does have some sneaky guillotine chokes where uh, if he has his opponents hurt, he can he can sneak it on them. Um, I don't really see him, you know, submitting Misha Serkinov. I think a, uh, you know, KO, TKO is much more likely. But I favor Ryan Spann in this matchup, and uh, I'm okay with saying that. Look, I think it's a 50-50 fight. I think that in terms of, you know, I've already put in my, my I'm going to reserve my seats for my 20 max entry. I'll probably, I would imagine I will have 80% shares on this fight and I'm going to split it 40-40 down the line between these two guys. I just mm-hmm. feel like you have to have this fight. Uh, I do think that the smaller cage potentially could benefit Misha Serkinov with looking yep. to take it to to the ground. I mean, look, I, I think if you're Ryan Spann, you got to use that reach to your advantage in this fight. Make this a stand-up fight. I mean, look, you, you know that Spann knows what M- Misha is going to, to attempt to do. But I, I look at this fight. Uh, to me, if you're if you're looking at, at some prop bets in terms of this one, I would look at Serkinov via submission. And then on the other side, I would look at Spann by TKO KO. Yeah, I don't hate what you're saying at all. Um, I just, I really like Ryan Spann, and I like what I've seen on regional scene. I like what I've seen in the uh, in the octagon. Um, you know, I don't want to say that Misha Serkinov's last performance was a fluke by any means, but I feel like he kind of overperformed in that in that spot. I guess a very talented, maybe a a not a green fighter because Jimmy Crute's very talented, but maybe a fighter that wasn't as prepared as like a veteran should be. And I think that Ryan Spann could bring that veteran presence with 24 professional fights. We'll move on to the next fight, which is Dan Ige versus Gavin Tucker. This is a fight that uh, has uh, went through some changes uh, to where Dan Ige could get in this spot. And I do want to mention a question we got on Twitter in relation to this fight. Um, and uh, it came from Hunter. He said, uh, 
One of his questions was looking for uh, our opinions on the grappling advantage in this fight and if each could go over the ground. If basically just saying, you know, what happens if the fight goes to the ground? Um, you know, I, look, I think that I favor Dan Ige on the ground. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I don't think it's a huge, huge disparity between the two. Yeah, it's it's so tough to so tough to say because like I feel like this is a um you know evenly matched you know bout. I think that Danny Gay is a tough you know opponent in the division as I do uh, Tucker. I think that they can negate each other's strengths in some as you know in some aspects. Fifty nine percent finisher uh, takedown defensive rating for Danny Gay, fifty three percent for uh, Tucker. Um, you know they're both good on the ground and good jujitsu. Um, I think on the feet, Gavin Tucker could have some. Uh, some some edging, you know, on there. I think that he could get the better of Dan Ige. Um, but as far as like grappling, if you're looking at stats, you know, Tucker lands uh, takedowns at a higher rate. Um, his takedown accuracy is 42% and has an average of three takedowns per 15 minutes. Take that for what you want, because I feel like these guys are going to negate each other. It could end up being more of a striking affair. But Dan Ige up to the Calvin Cater fight, he was awesome in the UFC. I mean, he's six and two overall. Gavin Tucker's really kind of you know, turned like a mediocre regional, you know, regional career around. And, uh, you know, he's really gone on a run in the UFC as well, four and one. Um, you know, if you really think about his one bad performance in the UFC where he showed some cardio issues, that's the one thing that I would worry about where I feel like Dan Ige's motor is pretty, pretty strong and he doesn't get tired. So perhaps Dan Ige can push a stronger pace and uh, be the fresher man, you know, say round three. But I do think that Gavin Tucker is very skilled, and I do favor him just so slightly. For DFS, this isn't really my favorite fight. Um, I do like Tucker's finishing ability, 77%. Don't foresee him getting a finish over Dan Ige. I mean, Calvin Cater looked you know sensational in that bout, but Dan Ige has like next-level toughness. Dan Ige's finish rate sits at 57%. So it is a very, very competitive fight that I feel like these guys can go like one round apiece, and it comes down to the third. I th- look, I think this fight's going to go 15 minutes. I just uh, looking at the odds. Of course, you can always check out the odds over oddshopper.awesome.com. Danny Ige by decision plus 140. That is one I like. I mean, look, if you want to, you know, put Danny Ige in your GPP lineups, I think your thought has got to be is can he get at least one, maybe two takedowns, you know, maybe three, maybe he can get one takedown each round, but then how many strikes can he land? Uh, I think that you got to be looking in the 70, you know, range of significant strikes along with total strikes for, I think for him to pay off that price, 8,600. If he only gets in the, you know, say 40 to 55 ish range in terms of significant strikes. I just don't know if he pays off that price for a GPP of what you're going to want. We're talking about a price point of 8,600. Yeah, I'm with you. So like in this situation, right? Like for DFS, do I really feel confident in Danny Gay 8,600 against a tough opponent? Yeah. Like I know he just, he's six and two in the division. He's fought probably the better group of, you know, fighters than, than Tucker has, but 
that doesn't always translate here. Maybe he's going to not be able to take a shot as good because he took so many in the Calvin Cater fight. We don't know. Um, I do favor Tucker in the matchup. He's priced under 8,000, so I'll definitely have more exposure to him than Danny Gay. Yeah, it's it's a fight that I think I might look more in cash, but I don't I don't mind you know taking Gavin Tucker in terms of of a GPP play. Of course, uh, you know you always got to check out everything we got going on over awesomeo dot com. Of course, uh, do mention our free um, free premium content right now over at the site is MMA fighter projections to help you put together your lives here for Saturday. Also, you got to take advantage of the promo that we got going on. You see it there at the bottom of the screen, get 50% off an Osmo plus weekly pass. When you use the promo code shamrock at checkout, of course, a uh, great promo we got going on there. You got to check that out. So where you can get, take advantage of the ownership projection we have there, which player projections, whether you want to play MMA, maybe you want to play a little NBA, NHL, whatever it may be. You got to take advantage of that promo we got going on over at awesomeo.com right now. You got to use that promo code SHAMROCK to get 50% off and also plus weekly pass. So take advantage of that. Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. We will get to your question at the end of the show. We get done, done breaking down all of these fights. We'll move on. We got Jonathan Martinez taking on Davy Grant. Jonathan Martinez, 9,300 on DK, 6,900 for Davy Grant and of course uh you know Jonathan Martinez one of the biggest betting favorites on this card and I, I can't disagree with the, the betting odds of this one I think from a DFS perspective Pete is how does he pay off that 9300 I mean obviously he's got to get a stop I mean that, that's clear there but what does he got to do to pay off that price tag yeah so like Davy Grant like if you think about Davy Grant um you know I definitely view him as the b-side in this fight definitely um in the Martin Day fight, he showed some good toughness. Um, he was resilient at times. I mean, Martin Day is a good striker. And then he landed the bomb of the left hook and had a great performance there. Uh, split decision over Grigory Popov. Um, and then lost back-to-back fights against Manny Bermudez and Damon Stashak via submission. So, you know, I don't view Davy Grant in, like, the highest light. And obviously, he's priced at 6900 I just feel like he had not a fluke performance, but he had a, you know, he landed a good shot against um against his opponent with that left hook and uh you know i i think that martinez is in a very good spot here to smash if you really look at what he's done like he's gone out there as a guy that's really just you know viewed as a good submission grappler with some decent you know southpaw striking he ended up you know finishing Frankie Science with a beautiful grounded pound. I mean, he throws great knees up the middle, good strikes overall, um, nice knockout over Ping Wan Lu. I, I think that we're starting to see advancements in Martinez's game, and I think that Martinez is priced accordingly, needs to go out there and have a dominant performance, stuff to take down, because Davy Grant, despite the fact that he thinks he wants to strike, if uh, he starts getting picked apart with kicks or you know a little bit more volume, because Martinez has the volume advantage in this matchup, I think he's going to want to shoot and shoot often. So Martinez needs to stuff the takedowns, which could make him a little appealing on on FanDuel at twenty one dollars. But ninety three hundred on on DraftKings, I really like Martinez. Um, I'll have my shares of him. Obviously, sixty nine percent finish rate, but I do view him as like a complete fighter. Uh, he has the, the finish ability in striking and especially in submissions as well. And I think the submission game of his is completely underrated. 
I've had a chance to uh, talk to Jonathan Martinez on, on a handful of occasions. Didn't have a chance to catch up with him leading up to this fight. Uh, very soft-spoken guy. Yeah, he's just—he's yeah. not a very loud guy. Uh, He—he's a man that—that's. He, he, some might say a few words, but man, you look at what he does there with his movement. And I think that's really what's going to be the key here for Davy Grant, uh, or excuse me, against Davy Grant is, you know, that movement there. I, I do like Jonathan Martinez. I don't know how much I'll get to him in, in terms of it, just because, you know, the high price point. And, you know, we'll talk about Angel Hill here in a little bit. That's another high price point that I don't necessarily love. Um, just because of what it potentially uh, could pay off. Of course, appreciate everyone that's in here on a Thursday night. Of course, uh, be sure to subscribe to Osmo right here on YouTube if you are not. Also, be sure uh, when you hit that subscribe, you also hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. And, of course, uh, be sure to give this video a thumbs up. By the way, coming up after us with the NBA Late Slate Live before lock to help you with some of those uh, late swaps you need to make. As I know, I'll definitely be tuning in because I got to make sure, see if I got to make any swaps in terms of, of my NBA lines. So we'll move on uh, to the next fight. We got Manel Kopp taking on um, Matthias Nikolai. And I, you know, we were talking before the show, and we'll bring up kind of the conversation we were having uh, earlier is with Manel Kopp after what we saw in his UFC debut, you know, are you, are you afraid to put too much of him just because of, and, and you know, and I know you're going to bring up the point of it's a, a, a much different opponent, you know, this time out as opposed to his UFC debut. Yeah. So let's talk about Manel Kopp. Manel Kopp, 15 and five overall, uh, 93% finish rate. He's a, a very talented fighter, very, very strong boxing and some underrated wrestling as well. And I really liked how he incorporated that in his debut performance against Alexandre Pantoja. Now let's be clear. His, his debut performance against Alexandre Pantoja was not amazing by any means, but that is probably like the hardest debut you could possibly have. Pantoja is so phenomenal for the division. And I think a lot of people are kind of underestimating that fact to think that Manel Kopp would come in and just completely wipe the floor with Pantoja. I mean, he, you know, put some respect on Pantoja's name and, uh, you know, I, I think that Manel Kopp's going to make some adjustments as he has, you know, throughout his career. He dances around a lot and he doesn't really commit to strong, strong combinations all the time. But when he does throw, if he lands, he can hurt you at any moment. And against uh, Mateus Nicolau, I think this is a very interesting bout. Uh, Mateus Nicolau, 3-1 in the UFC, looking to come back into the UFC and make a splash. So, I mean, it's a very interesting bout and an interesting underdog in, you know, Mateus Nicolau. I really think that he's a name to circle and sprinkle in lineups because he is very talented, has strong boxing. He's good overall. Um, but I, I just view Manel Kopp as the A side of the fight. I think he's got the more powerful strikes and has excellent wrestling. And I know that Nicolau is good defensively with his, you know, take down the fence. But I still think that, you know, Manel Kopp can test that, put him on his back. And at a 93% finish rate, I think Manel Kopp at 8,700. To be honest, I think it's it's an aggressive salary, but I do think that there is potential there. I'd rather go to Manel Kopp than I would rather go with some of the other 9,000 options. Yeah, I mean, the 9,000 options, right, outside of uh, Edwards at 9,000, who, in my opinion, should have been priced the highest out of everybody because you have, um, you know, how much stock do you have in his career? And you know, he's shown you a lot to this point, 10 and 2 overall. You have other 9,000 options. Martinez, 4 and 2 in the UFC. Uh, Angel Hill, 7 and 9 in the UFC. Jordan, 1, 2 and 1. And uh, Hani Yaya, 11, 4 and 1, right? Like, 
some inconsistent fighters that I just mentioned in those 9,000 range. But I completely agree with you. I think Manel Cop, 8,700, a name that I'm going to be uh, maybe a little bit more aggressive than the field, but I'm not, I'm not ignoring Mateus Nicolau at all. I think that he's one of the best underdogs on the slate. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's just one of those things of, and that's why you got to pay attention to those ownership projections and figuring out where you do want to go on there. We'll move on to the next matchup. We got Eric Anders taking on Darren Stewart. Eric Anders seventy three hundred, eighty nine hundred for Darren Stewart. Uh, of course, uh, you know, really the the big thing with Eric Anders leading up to this one is that uh, he moved his training camp out to fight ready. His family's still living back in Alabama, but he made that decision that you know he had to do what was best for him and and training out there with uh, Santino and, and Eddie Cha and the crew out there. But he is one of those guys that, you know, he's just an up-and-down fighter in the UFC, got off to a great start, uh, you know, but then he lost that split decision to Lilo Machida there in the main event in a fight night card down in Brazil. But just up and down, um, you know, I, I just, to me, it's just he's one of those guys that, um, you know, he's tough to trust, but... When you're looking at that under 8,000 range, he's got to be one of the guys you look at just because of the, we, we see the potential there. Yeah, 100%. I think that this fight is really, you know, both fighters that we don't trust at all. I mean, Stewart is five and six in the UFC, definitely looks better in his second stint in the UFC than he did in his first. Eric Anders, five and five in the UFC. They both let us down multiple times. So I think that we have to tread carefully here. But I think the 8900 price tag for Stewart is really, really aggressive. And the reason I think it's aggressive is because, like, you know, he's essentially a 500 fighter in the UFC. Same with Anders. Um, and I understand that it's probably and largely due to his uh, performance against Kevin Holland, even though he lost on the scorecards. But let's be real. That was a great performance. He went in there and, and outgrappled him. And, um, you know, I just think 8900 is a little too rich for me. I'll be looking at Anders a little bit more than the public because I think that uh, perhaps his ground game could finally shine through. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I feel like I say it every time he's on the card. Um, He's a BJJ brown belt. He competes in jiu-jitsu quite often. And I I know that Darren Stewart is a uh, purple belt in jiu-jitsu. But we have seen Darren Stewart get submitted at times and get kind of out-grappled despite his good wrestling. Um. You know, I, I favor the southpaw here in Eric Anders. I favor the fact that he, um, you know, can, can press forward, get it done in multiple ways, five and five in the UFC. But I think that he might be the stronger of the two. Um, it's an interesting fight for sure, but it's the price point on Stewart that's really got me hesitant. Like I was fully expecting this fight to be the 8,000, 8,200 fight. And I was like, okay, I'm going to split my exposure. But, you know, the 8,900 for Stewart kind of, pulls me in the Anders direction. So I've been interviewing Eric Anders since he was an amateur fighter and me and him kind of always joke about this. The first stock photo I have of Eric Anders is him at a jujitsu competition, but we just don't see it. You know, he, he, you know, and, and I remember one of the, one of the last conversations I had with him, we were talking about that. And basically he's like, it's like, look, man, I, I like to throw the hands. He's like, but it, it's something in his back pocket that we just, uh, you know, have not seen there. Uh, but on the Darren Stewart side of the equation, I, I guess the, the question really becomes is him paying off that price side price tag of 8,900 on DK or $19 on FanDuel. Yeah. I mean, like Darren Stewart strikes enough, but then really tries to engage in wrestling a lot to, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To really control his opposition. And I think that type of strategy going up against Eric Anders, who's a strong guy, I think is really not the best strategy. I think that, you know, Stewart should look to strike a little bit more and potentially win on the scorecards because I think that, you know, we've seen Stewart struggle with his cardio. We've seen both guys struggle with their cardio a little bit, but I do favor Eric Anders in the grappling uh, scenario. So um, it's a, it's a lean towards Anders. And uh, just for me, 8,900 is a little too rich for Stewart. Moving on to the next matchup, we have got Angela Hill taking on Ashley Yoder. This is a rematch from 2017 when they fought on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Angela Hill getting the win in that one. Um, you know, just kind of looking at the stats in terms of that one, Angela Hill landed 47 significant strikes, 65 total strikes. Uh, Ashley was three of six of takedowns. And I think that's got to be something, you know, when you're talking about this one. Look, you think of Angela Hill, we think of volume. And, and, you know, and obviously that's going to be a reason you, you play her potentially in here. I think she's a better play on FanDuel, potentially with those takedown defenses. But what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I like Angela Hill quite a bit everywhere. Um, I just like her to win the fight. Uh, 9,400 is a little insane. I think that her volume's amazing, 5.7 strikes per minute. Um, she's there to get hit a lot as well, 5.16 received. Um, I just think that she has evolved over the years. She's developed a better take down the fence, um, you know, just better overall game to really uh, complement her strengths, which is definitely her volume striking. And I think that she could potentially put on a better performance here against Ashley Yoder. I think that Yoder at 6,800, she's an okay punt play, but the punt play is based around her grappling and her wrestling. So it's the, it's the apex. It's a smaller octagon. Obviously, you're hoping that she can get her hands on Angela Hill and control her throughout or press her against the cage. I just I just see Angela Hill being able to kind of do what she wants in this matchup and uh, prove that she should have had a better, comp- uh, better competition, um, you know, and so she can start really moving up the rankings. So I like Angela Hill here quite a bit. 9,400, though. Can she get a stoppage? Can she get a stoppage? I mean, like she 42% finish rate. I probably lean no, but if she did get a stoppage on top of her volume and you went aggressive on Angela Hill, you could be like, you could be sitting there and, you know, on top of the leaderboard because everybody's going to take that underweight approach um, because of it going the distance and her being so, so heavy with a price tag. All right. Over one and a half rounds. What do you think it is? Over, over one and a half. Minus 300. Minus 700. 
<laughs> Over two and a half rounds is minus 400. Fight goes to the distance minus 355. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I completely agree with all of those lines. Um, I'm just saying, what if Angela Hill is able to get some knockdowns? Um, or maybe, yeah, maybe she doesn't finish her, right? But she's able to knock her down several times. Now you're talking about some big, you know, points getting boosted to her total. So we'll have to see, but it's definitely Angela Hill for me. Yeah, it's Angela Hill, but I definitely see the value as a punt play in Ashley Yonder. Of course, uh, big advantage of being an also plus member is you do get access to our premium Slack account. Of course, uh, if you're in there right now, you can get into the MMA channel and check out uh, what everyone is saying. Talk with fellow DFS players, plus you can talk with myself and Pete. So that's a great advantage we have over there at awesomeo.com. Of course, also, you know, Mr. Osmo is in there as well. If you ever got any questions for Alex about uh, his projections and how he's developing his lineups, you can always ask a question to Alex there. So that is a great advantage of being an Osmo Plus member. Of course, you see there at the bottom of the screen about that promo. We do have it going on right now, weekly promo going on. So be sure to take advantage of that. Uh, Dana asked, uh, says, uh, was this fight rescheduled because of COVID? Yes, it was, I believe. Uh, one of uh, Ashley's corner people uh, had COVID, so that is why the fight got got scratched. Uh, it moved back to what two, two and a half, three weeks, something, something like that. Yep. Because and, and initially, this fight was made on one week's notice. They yeah. accepted the fight on a Saturday, a Saturday morning. They were going to fight seven days later. So um, you know, and I remember when, when we broke it down that week on the strategy show because obviously the fight was still at that point. You know, the one thing that we did mention about was, yeah, you wondered how much Hill was working on a wrestling. Yeah. And, um, you know, this kind of extension of a camp, so to speak, will definitely favor Angela Hill, right? She'll be able to really, you know, patch up some holes and get some people to come in there to work on her take down the fence, you know, for this specific stylistic matchup against uh, Ashley Yoder. But, um, you know, if Ashley Yoder goes in there and gets a hold of her and takes her to the mat, She's 6,800. Basically, you know, she is the, she's the cheapest fighter right now. So um, she's probably going to break the slate if she goes out there. I'll probably have a couple shares of her, but I really, really expect Angela Hill to go out there and kind of just have a dominant performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Hill pick as well. Of course, we'll give our straight-up picks at the end of the show because Pete, people are paying attention to those picks. <laughs> well, I got to start, like, actually picking – not just picking friends and all this and that. I'm going to start picking legitimately, and you're in trouble. Oh, man. I mean, look, I'm just <laughs> saying, our audience, they're keeping track. Because all I know is I'm watching the fights last weekend, and all I see is, ooh, Jason's up on Pete a little bit here. I, I like a friendly competition. I'm cool with it. Let's do it. Uh, let's move on. Next up, we got Charles Jordan taking on Marcella Roja. Roja seventy one hundred. Jordan ninety one hundred. Over on FanDuel, nineteen dollars for Jordan, eleven dollars for Roja. Uh, can can you sell me a little bit on the underdog here? Yeah, I can. And the reason I can sell you on the underdog is because Charles uh, Jordan has really let us down at the UFC level. Outside the UFC, he's looked amazing. Um, in the UFC, he's one, two, and one. So he really hasn't had sensational performances. Um, he has a 100% finish rate uh, out of his 10 victories. But uh, Rojo stepping up on short notice is, is definitely going to favor Charles Jordan, right? 
Um, if Rojo had a full camp, I would really be looking at the underdog because I do think that he does possess some skills. He has shown that he can overcome some adversity. He's got heavy hands. He has good jiu-jitsu off of his back. Like, I like this kid. I think that he's a name to circle, but he's bumping up a weight class on short notice against Charles Jourdain. And maybe we finally see Charles Jourdain go out there and really, like, put it together, keep it on the feet light him up with some combinations and test that chin and put him in some bad positions, you know, where Rojo has been often, especially in, uh, in Cavace. So I, I do favor Charles Jourdain here. I will be sprinkling in Rojo because of the inconsistencies of, of Jourdain. But I, I do think like going forward with Jourdain, you know, he's got a short leash, leash with us, right? Like we know if he's a, if he against a strong grappler, we don't really want to target him because his takedown defense is almost non-existent. He has been getting better over the years, but it's he's a real liability when it hits the mat. So Rojo is a guy to sprinkle in your lineups. 88% finish rate, 16-6 and six overall. It's a great record. Um, definitely can pull the upset. Yeah, it's uh, Jordan's actually probably one of those nine thousand options I made. I I I, I wouldn't say um extremely targeting, but he's definitely a guy that I do want to have uh, some shares on. We move on. Next up, we got Hani Aya taking on Ray Rodriguez. Hani ninety two hundred seven thousand for Ray. Of course, uh, Ray stepped up on short notice. Uh, it was a weird situation where he was a backup fighter and literally finds out you know day of the fight you're fighting. And uh, he's had 14 weeks to get ready for this one. But, like, Pete, this this matchup is really easy to break down. Yeah. On, on the Ray Rodriguez side of the equation, I will say this. This is a live, potential live betting opportunity on Ray Rodriguez. If this fight, if, if it gets out of the second round, you might want to see what that prop bet on Ray Rodriguez to win the fight. Uh, but for Ray, and he knows this, you just, you can't make this a jujitsu match. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people don't know who Hani Aya is and it really disappoints me because in the WEC, in the UFC, he's been really, he's a really talented grappler. One of the best grapplers on the planet, 11, four and one in the UFC. And you know, the knock on a lot of jujitsu competitors and jujitsu fighters, we always say that they struggle to take people down, but Hani Aya is really kind of like weaseled his way into finding takedowns a lot. He relies a lot on single leg takedowns in order to start chaining his takedowns, low singles, will even pull guard sometimes. And, uh, you know, you don't like it when your fighter's on his back because then they're able to, you know, be on the end of the receiving shots and, and you know, be at a disadvantaged position. But, like, I think that Honey Yaya is going to find the submission here. I really do. I mean, Rodriguez in his fights goes to take people down a lot. And sometimes if, if he gets hit with a bad shot, you know, maybe he kind of goes into, like, instinct mode and he tries to take him down. I would not suggest that at all. And I also saw on an interview saying Rodriguez saying he's not afraid of uh, Yaya's ground game. And I'm like, man, you need to put some respect on honey Yaya's ground game and especially do everything you can to not get there. Right? Like if you keep this fight up on the feet, you could win, but honey Yaya knows what he's good at. I mean, he has a 77% finish rate. Okay. He doesn't have a knockout on his record. He, he gets a lot of submissions. So he knows what he needs to do. Um, you know, it's Hani Yaya for me, 9,200. Uh, you know, if Rodriguez is able to keep it on the feet, he, he could get a late TKO. I definitely can see that happening. But, I mean, that's tough to predict. Um, if Hani Yaya has a bad weight cut, potentially we would look at Rodriguez a little bit more. 
but uh, seven thousand. You could, I guess, you could make a case for for Rodriguez, but really, it's Yaya. Yeah, I uh, I spoke to Ray last Friday about this matchup, and one of the points that you talked about there was jujitsu uh, practitioners and their ability to take the fight to the ground. And and I, I phrased the question basically along the lines of, I'm not saying in particular, but what's your thoughts of about you know jujitsu practitioners? And basically, he said, yeah, they they don't always have the best takedowns. But like to me, like. When you're talking about a game plan, the game plan, if you're in the Ray Rodriguez corner, is let's keep this thing on the feet. And I think particularly try to get this fight into the late second, third round, try to wear down Hani Yaya. I mean, look, I, I think in terms of GPP, GPP plays, I don't mind Yaya at all. Because, I mean, look, if he wins, he's going to win by submission. And, and that's what you're looking for there. So I think that, you know, he's he's a guy that's sprinkling. I would sprinkle in Ray Rodriguez as a punt play, though. I, I would say I'll probably have 10, 20% shares of, of Ray Rodriguez. Ooh. That's a, you know, I, I can't fault you because there is a path to victory. But there are so many men who have failed to do exactly that simple game plan against Hani Yaya. You know, there's 26 men who have failed to do that game plan against Hani Yaya. And Hani Yaya is able to find submissions from everywhere. And, uh, you know, a lot of times fights end up on the mat. So uh, Rodriguez really needs to be on his P's and Q's, do his best to stand up. But um, I just think that Hani Yaya is surrounded by so many talented people in his fight camp as well. They're going to really tailor the entire strategy around his strengths. And these are the typically the type of fights that Hani shines in. Yeah. Yeah. I think Hani Yaya, I might smash exposure to Hani Yaya. Um, I mean, you think of the wins that Hani has had and from the WEC over to the UFC. I mean, let me just, let me just pull up his record right here. It's, it's, it's a great it's a great record, but then I, I'll sit there and say, Pete, who's his best win against? Um, I mean, Mike Brown. Mike Brown's an awesome fighter. I mean, granted, that is in 2011, but still, Josh Crispy. <laughs> Bro, that's um, 10 years ago. I know, but is I'm Josh, saying. Is Josh Crispy really a great win? Josh, I, I would say Josh Crispy is a, is a big win. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm New England scene. That's a big thing. Um, and, and most recently, right? He had a draw against Enrique Barzola. And a lot of people, including myself, think Enrique Barzola is pretty talented for the division. So, you know, I have a really hard time seeing Rodriguez going in there and just completely outclassing uh, Hani Yaya. But stranger things have happened in the fight game. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that this is one of those fights that you definitely have to be looking at in terms of, of GPPs. Move on. Next up, we got Nasrat Haparaz take on Hafa Garcia. Of course, this is a fight that has gone through multiple change where uh, Garcia actually is stepping in for Don Maj, who could not get a visa in terms of this one. Uh, Haparaz had replaced somebody else, so this is you know kind of the weird one that's come together. We do not have DraftKings uh, lines out on this one. We do have FanDuel uh, salaries, $21 for Haparaz, $8 for Garcia. What's your take? Yeah, so um, I'm obviously waiting to see what the salaries are, but initially I, I like Nasra Hakparas to lens, uh, against a lot of guys within the division. I know that Hafa Garcia is an undefeated fighter. Um, let's say that all undefeated fighters are not created equal, so you have to really do deep dive into his record. And when I looked at tape, I was actually impressed with what I saw from Hafa Garcia. Um, good striker, uh, decent grappler as well. Uh, has been pretty successful over there against uh, Kambache. 
So um, the, the problem is success in Kumbache doesn't always result in immediate success in the UFC, especially when you're talking about one of the best guys in the division, Nasrat Hakkaras, who has exceptional power, but really good speed for the division, good southpaw, likes to mix things up. Um, he has like a, a one big blemish to Drew Dober. He's four and two in the, in the octagon, but everybody remembers how Drew Dober went out there and kind of flatlined him. I don't really foresee that happening with a lot of fighters going forward, but Drew Dober, I mean, we, we talked about it how last week, like he has that puncher's chance at all times. Um, I want to see what these guys look like at the weigh-ins because I know this was kind of put together really quickly. Um, but obviously initial, you know, read on it. I do favor Hawk Paras in the entire matchup. Obviously Hawk Paras' weakness is his grappling. And if you're able to control him on the mat, you can win rounds and squeak out a decision. I think Hoffa should be looking to do that here because if he stays on the feet with a uh, hot cross, I think that he could get picked apart and kind of just, uh, you know, just outclass throughout the contest. Um, you know, Garcia is definitely a talented fighter at 12 and 0. This is just another, like a, uh, how Manel cop fought Pantoja on his debut. This is really similar. Like if Garcia comes in here and takes out hot cross. Then you got to pay attention to this guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a big step up for him. Of course, uh, be sure to rock that Osmo avatar on your DFS profile. And uh, we got a good reason why you want to rock that one. As if you do rock our avatar, your DFS profile, you could win a free month of Osmo Plus when you place within the top three of any GPP of 5,000 plus entries. Head over to Osmo.com slash announcement slash avatar or simply Google search Osmo avatar for instructions how to download the image and rock that image. Always love seeing that Osmo logo on top of those leaderboards. Move on next up. we got a female matchup, Courtney Casey versus JJ Aldrich. I already see uh, Pete's uh, shaking his head a little bit on this one. Courtney Casey, 7,700. JJ Aldrich, 8,500. Uh, Courtney Casey actually is an underdog that uh, when I'm looking at that under 8,000, she's someone I am looking at. Yeah, you know, these next two matchups are really ones that I'm not too fond of, but, I mean, we have to talk about it and address it. But J.J. Aldrich, 8,500. She's a decent striker. Uh, That's really like her go-to is just uh, good hands. Um, Try to keep distance from her opponents, not allow her opponents to get close where they can be more physical and, you know, work towards taking her down or controlling her against the octagon. You think about J.J. Aldrich, um, coming up a weight class against Courtney Casey, who's pretty strong, and Courtney Casey can match people in the striking department. Um, but I really foresee Casey pressing Aldrich against, against the cage here, especially at the apex in the smaller cage, um, being the more physical of the two, maybe working towards takedowns, but I highly doubt it because she only has 0.31 per 15 minutes. But that's definitely an avenue of success if she wants to visit that, and I think that she should. Because uh, if she stays on the outside, J.J. Aldrich will be able to pick her apart from distance. Um, Courtney Casey, 7,700, though. I like it. I really do. Um, And I I don't like the fight, but I think that this is an underdog that has a really good chance at pulling away a victory. 7,700, you don't know how the fight's going to go. I mean, one scramble, she could get a lot of control time. She could get some more takedowns than we're anticipating. But she's in a good spot here. Um, 25% finish rate for JJ Aldrich. So despite the striking advantage, I guess I would, I would lean towards Aldrich. It's not like she's putting people away left and right with the combinations. Um, I do favor Casey here and that really 
does not make me feel good because Aldrich in the, in the uh, UFC, four and three. Casey is five and seven. This is like a 50 50 fight, but give me the underdog, I guess. 7,700, Courtney Casey, I'll have some exposure. You know the question I got to ask? Yeah. Arm bar from guard in play? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I, I, I don't. I could see it happening in the next matchup. I see this being a 15-minute uh, decision. Um, the thing is with Aldridge, right? Like, her average DK points, 46.6, even in wins, right? She doesn't score that well. Like, she's really not DFS friendly, whereas Courtney Casey could get a you know an elevated score based on her grappling. So I, I still favor Courtney Casey. Then you got uh, Jenny Frey taking on Gloria DePaulo, 8,800 for Paulo, 7,400 for Jenny Frey. What's your take on this one, Pete? Let me say, I think that everybody in the world's hating on Jenny Frey, and I get it because she's coming to the UFC and really dropped the ball twice. She's 0-2 in the UFC. Outside the UFC, she competed at a lighter weight class where she was the champ. Um, you know, good, good uh, you know, strength of schedule, uh, you know, in Invicta. But she hasn't really shown, especially over the course of the years, like she hasn't really shown that urgency that you want to see out of a fighter, right? She doesn't go out there and show aggression. And a fighter that lacks aggression is something to you're kind of like, why, why are you fighting if you're not aggressive? Like you're allowing your opponent to come to you where they're able to, to win rounds. And I really don't think that DePaul is like anything special. Five and two, initially, before I even like had to you know confirm who this DePaul chick was. I'm like, Jin phrase, you know, she's an underdog and she's a vet with 15 fights. She could easily pull this off and I would not be surprised. Like she finally gets irritated and says, guess what? I'm going to turn things around. I'm making adjustments in my camp or else I'm getting cut from the UFC going 0-3. She's out of here. She, she's going to be gone. Um, so, you know, DePaula does on, on the contender series, she has the volume advantage whereas Jin Frey has the power advantage. I will say that the regional tape of DePaula uh, you know, it's not the best. It's really not the best because she gets taken down, has really bad takedown defense, made adjustments for the contender series fight, but that still sticks in the back of my mind where Jinyu Frey could upset DePaula here. And just based on records, Jinyu Frey should be the favorite here. You're going to see that Jinyu Frey will be the ultimate leverage play because everybody's going to be on DePaula. I still will side with DePaula, but I'm going to recognize that Frey has awesome leverage for the slate. Of course, appreciate everyone here on a Thursday night watching the Awesome MMA DFS Strategy Show. Of course, if you are not subscribed to Awesome here on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Also, hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. As always, show your support for the show by hitting that thumbs up. That does help us out. We got uh, one more fight left, and I think this is a fight. Yes, it's the first fight of the night, and I know, Pete, you, you never thought you'd really hear this from me. I think he got a roster this fight in GPPs. Jason Witt versus Matthew Schmelzberger. Schmelzberger, I mean, let's let's be honest about it. He was pretty much gifted uh, an, an, an easy victory against Carlton Minus there uh, in his first one. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, Jason Witt coming off at win against Cole Williams. Of course, trains out uh, at uh, Glory MMA and Fitness there under James Krause. I did talk to Jason Witt uh, last week. Um, I think he's a he's a solid underdog play here at 7,800. Yeah, I think that Jason Witt's a really solid underdog play. I mean, one and one in the UFC, took a fight on very short notice, ended up getting, you know, knocked out. But you can't really, you know, blame him for that. It was a very tough opponent to go up against. Now has a rebound performance. Um 
you know, goes in there against Cole Williams and just completely outclasses him with his strong grappling. And I think that's, that's his path to victory in this fight, right? Like he's decent striking, but is a liability defensively because he keeps his head on the center line. Um, and you saw Soto take advantage of that. And Semmelsberger throws really, really, really hard, like really, really hard. Um, you know, I've seen both of these guys fatigue over the course of, you know, 15 minutes. I do still favor Jason Witt in the bout, but it's really, really slight. Like, you know, how you were talking about, you're going to have a ton of exposure to Serkinov and Span. I'll also have tons of exposure to this fight, just like you. I'll be smashing exposure because Semmelsberger did show me some power and some aggressive combinations. And uh, we have seen Witt chin check several times, you know, in the UFC and regionally. So, you know, Semmelsberger is 7-2 overall. I think he could be the hot commodity that everybody's going to want to put in there because he has that nice 103 DraftKings points if you're box score watching. But I do favor Jason Witt with his grappling, able to dictate where the fight goes, needs to avoid the big shot. Excellent, excellent underdog pick here at 78, 7,800. Like I said, I'm going to have plenty of both. It's like a 55, 45 for me. Um, slight lean to Witt because of the discount. But, uh, you know, this is a fight that I'm prioritizing for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Witt's ability to potentially take this fight to the ground. You mentioned about that UFC debut for Jason Witt taking on uh, short notice. We should put all caps, short notice. He took that fight on 48 hours notice. He was in Kansas City, got the call. He's on a plane three hours later to go to Vegas. Yeah, that's, amen. When opportunity knocks, you got to answer. And, uh, you know, that answering that call got him into the UFC you know, gave him a better matchup the second time around. He went out there, actually showed the skills, and uh, perhaps he's able to do the same here because Semmelsberger, he he had a weak win, if we're being honest, against Carlton Minus. It, it was a weak win. Um, he did look good in it, but, you know, in the third round, he fatigued heavily. And I think that a guy that's going to force you to grapple or defend takedowns in Jason Wick can really push, that, push and test that cardio. Um, smash this fight, guys. By the way, I will mention this. I want, I'm going to pull up the exact stat here. So in 2021, it's about 40% of betting underdogs are cashing at this point. That is something to put in wow. there. I'll, I'm going to pull up the number here. Um, I, I know heading into last week, it was like right at 39% uh, in terms of that. So that's something to kind of think about when you're talking about uh, underdogs. But uh, let, let's get, as I as I find that number, let's talk about our, our straight up uh, picks in terms of this one because, uh, you know, I'm telling you, I'm, I've am i got some uh, picks on this card that I think are probably more uh, because I've had good conversations with them and I, and I want to see them win. So uh, let's start off right with the main event. Uh, I, I'm guessing that we're both going to be uh, on Leon Edwards. Yeah, yeah, Edwards. Uh, co-main event, who you Span. going with? Span. Give me Serkinov. Okay. I think I think the smaller cage, the ability to take the fight to the ground is why I like him there. Okay. Uh, give me Dan Ige against Gavin Tucker. Tucker. Really? Oh wow! We're 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 uh, man, we're already got two uh two disagreements here. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're both going Jonathan Martinez. Yep. Uh, both on Manel Cop. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Eric Anders, Darren Stewart. Er- Eric Anders. I'm I'm gonna go Eric Anders as well. I thought you might go Darren Stewart. Uh, give me Angela Hill against Ashley Yardo. Angela Hill. Uh, give me Charles Jordan. Same. Haniyaya Ray Rodriguez. Haniyaya, Haniyaya, and you're going for your boy. I already know it. <laughs> I 
I got I got to go for my boy Ray Rodriguez. Okay. But, I mean, look, he's got he look he has to stay away from the ground game. He has okay. to keep the fight on the feet. Look, yeah. it's you know, for, fourteen weeks prepare for this fight was a very interesting thing that he did tell me. I thought that was a, a little interesting note. I think he needs a lifetime to prepare for Honey Ayah's jujitsu, but I hope the best for your friend. Are you the president of the Honey Yaya fan club? I man? love Honey Yaya. I'm a WC guy, man. Like, I love Honey Yaya. He's so good. Uh, Asperas versus uh, Garcia. Hot Ross, yeah. Yeah, same for me. Uh, Cordy Casey, JJ Aldrich. Casey. Casey with me. Uh, Jinyu Frey, Gloria DePaulo. Uh, DePaulo, I guess. Give me Jinyu Frey with the upset. Okay, I like it. And then Jason Witt, Matthew Schmelzberg. Give me, give me Jason Witt as a small underdog in this one. Yeah, Jason Witt. Uh, let's get uh, Samuel's uh, questions in the Super Chat. His usual questions here. Uh, top two cash. Let's start there. Top two cash, I think, like, you know, Angela Hill and, uh, you know, and Edwards would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Good cash plays. Top two GPP. I would say uh, Ryan Spann. Um, man. Jason Witt, I guess. Yeah, live dogs. Jason Witt and uh, Corny Casey. With you on there. Favorite inside the distance? Mm, Ryan Spann. I think I think I called me a bit. You have to uh, you have to sit there and, and prioritize that. MVP and champion plays. I will say that Angela Hill makes a lot of sense. Um. I, I I think Angela Hill for both. I think that's that's a, a strong strong pick. Fight to break the slate. First fight in the night. Yeah. Sleeper slash punt play. Jimmy Frey could be the big ultimate sleeper. Um, but uh, I think that Courtney Casey's another. Of course, uh, coming up next is the NBA Late Slate Live before lock. So stay tuned to that as that will be with Spags and Emac. Thanks to our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Be sure to check out them, monkeyknifefight.com. You see it there right at the top of the screen. A 100% instant match deposit up to $50 when you use that promo code AWESOMO. Of course, be sure to check out today's free content, MMA Fighter Projections. Of course, myself and will be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Until then... Good luck to everyone with your DFS lineups.